Amen. Uh, good morning, church. Once again, yeah, honored to be here. Amen. All right, please turn your Bibles with me to the book of John. <laughs> Today is our 84th installment, and I'm ministering under the sub-team, Jesus is King. Uh, we are looking at our series on the book of John, the Lordship of Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, I hope your week has been festive. <clears throat> as as I drive around, I see a lot of Christmas trees, Christmas decoration, especially in my neighborhood. I don't know if there's some sort of competition. I don't know whether they award um, winners and runners up and what have you. But it's quite beautiful, though. I must I must admit, you know, uh, very splendid lights everywhere. Amen. So thank God. I pray that may you experience every blessing that this season has to offer. Amen. No more holiday blues. They normally associate holiday blues with Christmas, especially like people are very depressed and people are uh, uh, suffering mental illness. Those who, who have patients or victims of that, that, that sickness tends to spike up during Christmas. <laughs> So it's seen as some sort of depression. There are lots of studies that have concluded that, but I pray in the name of Jesus that maybe not experience that, maybe experience every blessing. Christmas for us as Christians is to commemorate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christmas is not celebrating the birth of Christ. I want you to understand that because Christ was not born on December 25th. Gregorian calendar just came in the 19th century, right? So we started using Gregorian calendar as January to December. So Christ was not born on December 25th. We just picked this day just to commemorate that once upon a time, God became man on this earth. And why? So that he will take away the sins of the world. Matthew, Mark, Luke uh, explicitly explains the reason why Christ came. So it's a season of merrymaking. It's a season of festivity. It's a season of good news. Good news that our sins are forgiven. And if our sins are forgiven, anything pertaining to our carnal needs, we have to do with even mental uh, wellness, and, and, and emotional um, stability and balance, all those things will also be taken care of. Amen. Uh, last week, we looked at um, the sub-team and the core crew from John chapter 18, verse 15 to 22. We saw how the Cork's crew uh, reminded Peter of his humanity. He realized he couldn't help God. And what we buttressed home from that sermon is that... Um, Peter's humiliation should minister to us that we should not always 
via to be center stage of what God is preparing. Sometimes God will need us to step aside so that he will take over. You know, Peter thought he could help Christ. But what Christ was going to experience, it was a solo act. He needed no cool stars. He had to be the star of that moment. And that's to die for our sins. So um, the corkscrew is really a reminder to all of us that we are human. Don't try and help God. You can't help God. Most of us, what we can do is just to stay our back and listen to what God wants us to do. And sometimes God may just want us to observe what he's doing without any necessary interruption. Amen. So I want to believe you were blessed last week. Amen. I was I was blessed myself and as I read the scripture over again. Amen. So please turn with me to Luke chapter 18, like I said earlier on, and let's read from verses 28 to 40. Today we are finishing chapter 18. And like I said, I'm ministering under the sub-theme, Jesus is Ken. Jesus is Ken. Excuse me. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the Praetorium, and it was early morning. But they themselves did not go into the Praetorium, lest they should be defiled, that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. Then Pilate said to them, You take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. <clears throat> then Pilate entered the praetorium again, excuse me, <clears throat> called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priest have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born. And for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went again to the Jews and said to them, I find no faults in him at all. 39. But you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Then they all cried again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Amen. <laughs> they said the opinions of man is like the rising of the sun and the setting of it. So true. Um, six days. 
these were the same people that were singing Hosanna. Hosanna to the king of kings. These are the same people. These same, it's not a different crowd. These same people. Sunday, Friday, they are saying, crucify him. We want Barabbas to be set free instead of this sinless man. So the opinions of people. The opinions of the Jews changed within a space of six days. Think about it. Sunday, Hosanna. Friday, crucify him. We want him dead. They're saying people, not a different crowd. Same people. Amen. So please don't be surprised if someone switches on you. <laughs> it happened to Jesus. Amen. Now, um, our story really starts with Jesus now leaving Caiaphas. And we've spoken a lot about Caiaphas. You've realized that Caiaphas was a high priest during the order of Jesus' reign and ministry. And he was the one that suggested that Jesus should be put to death. He actually sowed that seed, um, which became a thought in the hearts of the religious leaders. And then they used Judas as the lead to get to Jesus. And the Bible lets us know that they went to a praetorium. A praetorium is just a judgment hall or a residence of the governor. So let's put it in today's parlance or today's term. We live in America. That the, the place where the president lives is called the White House. So something like that. So, you know, um, C, um, Pontius Pilate was a high-ranking official of the land. So the residence of the highest-ranking official is where Jesus was taken to. And he was taken there just to be tried. And the Bible says that the, the, the Jews did not go there because, you know, Jews are very superstitious. They are thinking of the Passover. And when they are talking about being defiled, they are just talking about ceremonial uncleanness. They, they want to observe the Passover uh, so that they will be able to partake of the Passover. So they always try to make sure that they follow rules and they become very stringent with it. But um, Jesus had already talked about these Jews. You are so interested in, you know, cleaning the outer part, but inside you is full of dead bones. You know, they were superficial. They like to do external things, but inwardly, they were as filthy and as dirty and unclean as anything. It's out of impure thoughts and clean motives. That is why they let Jesus to go to the praetorium. And during those days, not everybody goes to the praetorium. In, in the Jewish time, you don't go to the praetorium for a social visit. When you go to the praetorium, you are going there because it's a serious matter. It's a serious matter. Because most of the time, when it comes to like petty disputes and, and things like, oh, uh, this one has oct against me, they have the, the elders who are normally made of the chief priest who will settle those disputes and, and certain issues. But when it comes to a matter of life and death, they take you to the praetorium. 
it's reserved for the vilest of offenders. And Jesus was seen as a vile offender. Just on the Sunday, they were singing him as a hero, as a king, as a messiah. And then on a Friday morning, these same people are now seeing him as the vilest of offenders that they have taken him to the praetorium where Pilate is so that he will be tried like a common criminal. And the Bible lets us know that when Pilate even saw Jesus, he said that, look, why have you delivered this guy to me? What is the accusation? And the people says that, judge him according to your law. You see, these people, because Passover was coming, they didn't want any form of blood to be on their hands. So they are pushing it on Pilate. And they said that it is not lawful that we, the Jews, should put Jesus to death. But the funny thing was that their evil motives were still in the grand scheme of the prophetic agenda of God concerning Jesus. When you read John chapter 3, verse 14, Jesus said something about his death. He said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And when we are talking about lifted up, we are talking about Jesus on the cross being lifted up. That's what we are talking about. We are not talking about Jesus in his ascension, in his pristine glory as the King of Kings. The, the Son of Man being lifted up is talking about Jesus being crucified on the cross and being lifted up. Because when you are crucified on the cross, you are being lifted up and then you are, are fixed straight in front of the whole crowd for everybody to see. And Jesus was saying that that is the posture in which I will die. And when you look upon me, you will not perish but you will have eternal life. So the Jews, the way they would have dealt with Jesus would have been some form of mob justice. They would have had to stone him. They could have stoned him. But because Passover was near and they wanted to partake of Passover and they didn't want any blood on their hands, they pushed it to Pilate. And it was only Pilate who could pass a sentence of crucifixion? Excuse me. A, a Jewish citizen, you can't pass a sentence of crucifixion. Or the chief priest. It's just the governor's sole responsibility. And crucifixion is reserved for the worst of offenders. Let's put it in like where we live. I live in America. So let me use America as an example. There are certain states that still use the death penalty. And what's the death penalty? By lethal injection. You can't give anybody lethal injection if you are not authorized to do that. Are you understanding me? So it's similar to something like that. No common Jewish person can just sentence somebody to crucifixion because you could also be killed. Can you imagine if I decide to administer lethal injection 
because I'm saying this guy is a criminal, I could be prosecuted. I don't have that power. I don't have that authority. And even in America, it's not every state that practices the death penalty. So that could also be another problem. It's the same with the Jews. What the Jews are capable of doing is stoning. They could have really stoned Jesus. And they could have done that without the passing of Pontius Pilate's sentence. But because of the Passover, they wanted to eat with clean hands, bereft of blood. So they pushed it on Pontius Pilate. That Pontius judge him. And Pontius Pilate, too, is also not a Jew. Pontius Pilate is a Roman. And during those times, too, you have to understand that the Jewish people were under Roman colony. So a governor who is like the representative of the Roman culture becomes their leader. And that's Pontius Pilate. And when Pontius Pilate looked at him, he said, are you the king of the Jews? I've heard of you. I've heard of you. You are making noise. Who are you? Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus responded with a question. Are you speaking for yourself about this or did others tell you this concerning me? And Pilate answered, I am not a Jew. I don't concern myself with matters of the Jewish nation. Your own people and your religious leaders, chief priests, have delivered you to me. What have you done? And then Jesus said that, I am the Passover lamb. That's what he is explaining. My kingdom is not of this world, because if my kingdom is of this world, my servants will fight. Jesus had angels. And we read that about three weeks ago. Then Jesus said that, if I, if, I, if, if I wanted to be in self-preservation mode, I could have commanded legions of angels to come and fight my battle for me. My kingdom is not of this world. The disciples who are with me, they are not to protect me because my kingdom is not of this world so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from here. So Jesus, even though he was the king of kings, he wasn't the king of the Jews. He's the king of the world. He's the king of kings. And that's why this same John who wrote this book, when he met Jesus in the book of Revelation, the title that Jesus gave to John is that I am the king of kings. He didn't say, hey, I am your teacher. I am the one that walked with you for three years. He said, I am the king of kings. So Jesus is really a king. But his kingdom is not of this world. And his kingdom it does not operate in like fashion like the kings of this world. So Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Because they were familiar, of, were familiar with the territory of kings. Kings have security. It's not easy to get through to a king. So if you claim you were a king, how come you have been captured like a common criminal brought for trial? But thanks be to God that Jesus, 
who is a king, had to become the Passover lamb. And what was the essence of the Passover lamb? The Passover lamb was sacrificed so that when the blood was put on the doorposts of the Israelites, they escaped the angel of death that was going to visit Egypt. This was something that they celebrated to thank God for the deliverance that they experienced out of the captivity of the Egyptians. And this is why they always celebrated this festival. Now, for that to happen, a lamp had to be killed. The lamp had to be without blemish. The lamp had to be spotless. And Jesus was our Passover lamp. He was a king, but he was our Passover lamp. He was spotless. That was why Pilate could not find anything in him. Just like a spotless lamp is needed for Passover to avert the wrath of God so that the angel of death, which is like judgment, doesn't visit, Jesus had to become that lamp on the day they celebrate Passover. But Jesus was not just averting God's wrath, but he was also averting judgment. He was also averting the wages of sin, which is death. Jesus is king. But he brought himself of no repute, took on the form of man, so that you and I can be free. Hence the reason we celebrate Christmas. That is why Christmas is such a good news for us believers. Because whenever we think of Christmas, we think about the end of the reign of sin in our lives. When we think of Christmas, we think of the end of a futile and a dangerous destiny that we had ahead of us. What was our destiny? We were children of wrath on our way to hell. But when Jesus Christ came into the picture and came in the form of a man, took on the form of a man, though he was equal with God, he has averted that wrath that now our destiny has changed. Our destiny now are children who will partake of the resurrection when the end of this age occurs. So Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world. Jesus is him, but he is not king according to the manner of the Jewish custom. He is the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. But he had to humble himself as a lamb and die for the sins of the world. And he says, for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. The truth that I am indeed king. The truth that my kingdom shall never end. My kingdom will continue forever and ever. And he said, everyone who is of this truth hears my voice. And Pilate, wanting to know the truth, Jesus did not really reveal the truth. Because it wouldn't have made any difference. 
That's why Jesus didn't respond. Sometimes it's not every question that merits an answer. Jesus didn't have to explain what the truth is because the Jewish people who were hostile, who were impure, who were unclean, just wanted him dead. He is the king of kings. Why is he the king of kings? He is the king of kings because he did something that no king was able to do. Master and conquer sin. He is the king of kings. Why? Because he did something that no other king was able to do. Master death. Master the grave. Master hell. He is the king of kings. Why? Because he did something that no king was able to do. Change our destiny from hell to heaven. He is the king of kings. Why? Because he did something that no earthly king has been able to do. Give us the gift of the Holy Spirit who will serve as the deposit of our inheritance until the purchase of our whole being. And what, what is the purchase of our whole being? The purchase of our whole being is when we come to that event of resurrection where the Bible says that our mortal bodies will put on immortality and our corrupt bodies will put on incorruptibility. And within a twinkle of an eye, we shall be changed into a glorious state. This is what this king came to do. That is why this king is set above it's a cut above every other ethnic king. Kings in the Bible, they went to war, won victory for people. But that's all that they could do. But Jesus Christ did more than that. He didn't just come to expand a territory on this. That's not what he's interested in. He came to do something that kings could not do. He came to take away the sin issue of the world. He came to make sure that our destiny will change. What is your destiny? Your destiny is that you will reign and rule with Christ in the hereafter. And you will reign and rule with Christ forever and ever. That is your destiny. That is what makes Jesus the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Jesus is King indeed. And that is why he came. But for him to establish his authority over sin, establish his authority over death, establish his authority over hell, so that hell will not hold us into captivity, he had to be the lamb of the Passover that these Jews were celebrating. He became the fulfillment of what these Jews were celebrating. That's why he was a sinless man. Because you need a sinless lamp to atone for the sins of the world. And that is what Jesus came. And that is why Jesus said in, in the book of John, when we were, we were doing it, I think chapter 14 or chapter 13, he said, Behold, the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. Jesus was saying that I'm a blameless lamp because I need to be blameless, I need to be sinless so that I'll be able to atone 
for the sins of this world and save people from the sins of this world. He says, I give my life. I lay down my life. Nobody can take it away from me. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it. Then he says that the ruler of this world, who is the devil, is coming. And he has nothing in me. And Jesus, even though he had the reputation of a criminal because he was sent to the praetorium to be given the harshest sentence, which is crucifixion, he was blameless. And it was necessary for him to be blameless because that is the way that one can die for the sins of a nation and to an extent for the sins of the world. We thank God that Jesus is king. And he says that I came to testify to that truth. All the scriptures that were written about me in the Bible, about me being the king of kings, about me coming from the stem of Jesse, that my kingdom will be established forever. I came to live those prophecies that were written in the book of the law. I came to testify to the truth. And whoever is of that truth, hears my voice. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus has come. That's the Christmas message. Standing at Pontius Pilate, we see his kinship, which is not exhibited according to the manner of the Jewish custom or the Roman custom, which is based in selfishness, which is based in ego, which is based in self-preservation. Jesus' kinship is rather based in love. It is steeped in sacrifice. And he did something that no other king has been able to do to remit the sin issue out of our life so that sin will not become a barrier between us and God. I present to you our Christmas message. Jesus is king. He is king because he did something that no other king has done. Dealt with sin. He is king because he did something that no other king has been able to do. Conquer death and rose again. There were many powerful kings that died. None of them rose. He rose. Is to make a statement that I am not just the king, but I am also the Lord of Lords. Jesus made a statement by proclaiming himself king. And why is he king? Because he has changed our destiny. No king can change your eternal destiny. They might be able to change your physical destiny only for a moment, but Jesus dealt with eternal destiny. That when we should die, or when we shall await his appearing, either or, we have a secure and a guaranteed future. We will reign and rule with Christ forever. That's our destiny. Let's pray. Father, I've delivered your word to your people. 
Reign and rule as king in this season. May we understand your kingship more. Let this mind, which was in Christ, be in you. Father, may we have your mind. May we have your mindsets. May we understand who you truly are. Reveal yourself to us. Reveal your kinship to us during this season. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. God bless.